1: Professor Pramodita Sharma is the Schlesinger Grossman Chair of Family Business at the Grossman School of Business at the University of Vermont. A prolific author and pioneer in her field, Professor Sharma's work draws on her close ties to the business community as well as her experience growing up in a family enterprise. Recently, her research has focused on understanding the role of spirituality, philanthropy, and sustainability on strategic decision-making in the family business. On this episode of the Family Business Voice, I speak to Professor Sharma about her new book, Pioneering Family Firms Sustainable Development Strategies, which charts the journey of 15 business families from around the world, showing a commitment to sustainable development through their work in a diverse range of industries. Enjoy this episode with Professor Sharma. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Family Business Voice. I'm joined here today by Professor Pramodita Sharma. Pramodita, what a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you, Ramiya. It's a delight to be with you. And Dita, we're meeting here today on quite a special occasion is because your latest book has just come out entitled Pioneering Family Firms Sustainable Development Strategies. That's quite a Quite a big title there, quite a promising title. Tell us a little bit more about why you wrote this work. Absolutely. It took us a while to get that title because we were trying to get a
0: lot into that. Um, we're academic. So uh, <laughs> pioneering, uh, every single word means a lot to us. Pioneering are, we feature 15 business families from Asia, Australia europe and north america they are disrupting their industry because of the sustainable development goals that they are pursuing in their strategies so it's about sustainable development it is strategic it is in the business model of all these companies and in some cases they are young first generation companies and we go up to ninth generation and in other cases it feels like the business family is trying to turn a Titanic, you know, because they've been around hundreds of years and clearly the meaning of sustainability has changed over time. So it feels like, and it's, it's kind of neat to follow their journey as they are making these pivots. Mm-hmm. And we document the story of each family, their difficult moments, their pleasantries that come along the way in a chapter
1: devoted to each family. So uh, very exciting, very uh, rich work. I'm getting my copy today. I'm very excited to, to get into it and to read this. But I think like for the purposes of our podcast, right? Like, and I think this is a big debate generally around when we use the word sustainability or sustainable development, massive debate on what it is actually that we are talking about when we use these terms, when we talk about sustainability. What does that mean within the framework of your book?
0: Wonderful question. And let me tell you about the authors, because I have to tell you about that. It's myself and my husband. We've been married for 40 years. And for over 25 years that we've spent as academics, his work has been on sustainability. And my work has been on family businesses. And the paths were never to cross. So in his world, in, in the strategies, finance scholars who study sustainability, sustainability is about the people, the planet, the profits. So they want, they focus on businesses must make profits to survive. And now the, the tide is turning towards that The only way to make profits is to pay attention to the people and to pay attention to the ecology around you and the community around you. So that's the definition that comes from the sustainability scholars. And from the family business scholars, sustainability has always meant survival and longevity. Because when we study uh, transgenerational entrepreneurship, transgenerational succession, um, legacy of a business, legacy of a family, we always think in terms of generations. We think in terms of our strategic planning means planning for the next 100 years or 50 years so the two worlds come together in this book where when we talk about survival and longevity all 15 families agree Mm. when we talk about strong performance on family and business dimension which is more family business kind of definition of sustainability they all agree but when it comes to what is more important, focus on people, focus on planet, focus on profits, then it gets really tricky. And while all families understand the importance of the three-legged stool, there are times they go out of sync. So there might be more focus on the people, might be more focus on the profits, and that's
1: what uh, the definitions are. So interesting. I mean, there are a lot of follow up questions on on just this part. But essentially, what I'm curious about is, like, what is the biggest sort of influence? Is it industry? Is it generation? Is it culture, national culture, contextual culture? What have you observed to be the biggest driver that then ultimately leads for a family to set a certain priority?
0: an academic can never give a straight answer but let me try <laughs> let me try a family business that started in this is a dutch business family that started in paint and coating industry in 1916 their fourth generation focusing on the fifth now the first generation for them sustainability meant survival just keeping the business going Second generation, it was focused on the health of their employees. Yes, keeping the business going, but we we were focusing on keeping our employees healthy. So they had health care, they had maternity leaves, they had things that we consider today as being leading edge on the people dimension. They were doing it in generation two. And then we have generation three focusing on employees, but also community outside the boundaries of their business. And now generation four, they want to do all of that, Mm -hmm. plus deeply focused on the ecology, the planet. Mm -hmm. And they've become educators in Netherlands, focusing on the sustainability of the environment which means they invest a lot of effort and time into R&D of the paint industry. In their mind, their vision is by 2050, all 10 million buildings in Netherlands will be painted
1: by biodegradable paint. So I love this example. Because I know the family, of course, like this is the Royal Van Vaille, right? Like uh, the the Van Vaille Fair, which we're very proud of as Dutch uh, citizens, of course. An amazing example. But then also there's the word pioneering in the title of your book that I'd like to come back to. And I do think that everything indicates, of course, that family enterprises who have been successful at implementing such models must be of a tenacious nature because everything that you describe is going all the way along the value chain, the supply chain and having that really honest conversation with ourselves at every stage of production or delivery of the service or the product that we provide to the market and I find it really interesting the cases that you have in the book but also the cases that you tell me about all the time are from all over the world, they don't seem to be from a particular country a particular culture so If you look at them across this incredible geographical diversity that you have in front of you, Dita, where does the impetus really come from in your view? We have a company
0: based in um, Hong Kong. They're called Jebsen & Jessen, another Dutch background uh, company. But in that case, they have a motto of one captain, one ship, or one ship, one captain. And that idea of a singular voice in control and decision-making is critical. Mm. If there is one thing I would have to point to what's working, uh, and I'll add two others because we did come up with three Cs and three Ps, and that's what we consolidate as you know what's working and what's needed in this case. So the control or the controlling voice and it doesn't mean you have to be a controlling owner. Mm. It doesn't mean it has to be a single person. And families; these families have found really innovative ways to make it happen. There are sibling partnerships where they've figured out a way that unanimous decision is the only decision that will carry forward. Mm. If there are two sisters, and there are two sisters in some cases, if there are three brothers or three cousins, which is Mm Wallenberg's case, they have figured out a way to come up with that single voice. I see. And that is one of the key factors in this.
1: It seems to be, though, that there's a bit of a magic mix here, that circumstances have to conspire a little bit in favor in terms of the market's response and the, the readiness of the family to invest all of these things. Now, say all of these things align, you still have the institutional framework to contend with that you operate in. So let's talk government policy, Dita, <laughs> like because I think that's the one thing that we definitely will see differ depending on what context these families operate in around the world, right? Like what, what is the progress that we have seen in terms of policy making in the last sort of couple of decades, and should it be easier now than it was 10 years ago, you know, to pursue sustainable development goals?
0: I think, and I hope our work adds to this, um, the answer to your last question is yes, and I think it will continue becoming easier because we're having these conversations, because we have some examples, some companies we can talk in. The governments are clearly feeling the pressure Mm -hmm. of cleaning up our environment. There is economic inequality, the pressures of our time. And the current pandemic has certainly added to that. We're seeing cleaner waterways because of not traveling as much cleaner air. And that reminds people what could be. Mm-hmm. There is the pressure from the UN, and that which seeps down to the national governments, which seeps down to the state governments that regulate the economies and the business. Um, India is a great example. We do have a company from India. What we see in their case is the company and the government are working very closely together. Mm-hmm. It's literally like blind helping the blind. Mm-hmm. Okay. in coming up with policies for themselves and others. Mm-hmm. Because for the company, they are into solutions for environmental issues, for climate change issues, whether it is, you know, for the factories, whether it is for uh, commercial usages, essentially. And um, the second generation, it's, it's a sad, sad story of a lot of um family issues. There were Mm -hmm. untimely deaths in the family. So um, a family member who was not involved in the business ended up taking it over. And she worked very, very closely with the government sector to help India come up with the policies Mm -hmm. for, you know, what is it that we need to do? Now we have 2%, this is in India, 2% of the profits of all for profit companies are to be reinvested for sustainable development goals. Mm-hmm. And then showing the way of what does this reinvestment mean? Mm-hmm. These pioneering companies are actually helping the governments. In terms of opportunities, You know, thinking of the profit part, it's just amazing to see the trillions of opportunities that are just lying in the waiting
1: And some are really
0: low-hanging
1: fruits. But this is always like kind of also the frustration point, isn't it? Because we know this to be true, and we actually have known it for a while. So what is it that makes us hold on to traditional business models in spite of the fact that not only is it better for you know, people, planet profits, but it's also better for, as you said, it gives us better odds of family business longevity. It gives us better odds that very likely attracting a next generation who cares much more about these things than the previous generations have. So what's the holdup, Dita? Do we have a PR issue when it comes to like, you know, sustainable business uh, business, uh, opportunities? What is the challenge?
0: I think we just don't know how to start. I come from a business family. I think we just don't know what our first step is. We just don't know. You know, yes, we understand in many cases. And we get now that this book is just out. It came out maybe a week ago or so, um, where we are already getting calls from business families to hold events where business families can learn from each other. Mm -hmm. We don't have that. The only group that I know that has been focusing on, you know, collecting or bringing business families together to learn from each other on sustainable development issues is the Family Business Network's Polaris group. But to become a Family Business Network member, you've got to be certain size. And there's just so many businesses that are just not there yet. Um, So there is need, we need to have, like we have chambers of commerce, we need to have this as easily as readily available. I can imagine millions of these groups in every single city so people could learn. So we just launched another project I have on my desk right now, is we just launched a new graduate certificate online program. So folks don't have to come to Vermont to do this. You can be anywhere in the world. And that's five courses all on sustainability, sustainable marketing, accounting, finance. We've been hiring researchers who are top notch in their respective area, whether it's accounting or finance or supply chain, who are building new knowledge on this. Mm so we feel really fortunate and we would love for other schools and colleges to join this we would love for other organizations and and you guys are in a perfect position to bring business families together it will be such a beautiful community because i know there is so much to be done and in terms of you know it's it's good for the profits it's good for longevity good for family so i Thank you
1: for doing this, Ramina. Yeah, Thank you. Well, you wrote the book, Dita, so I haven't done much there. But I think that it's an interesting point that you're making in terms of the candor with which you say, like, we just don't know where to start. And I do actually think, regardless of the size of the family business we're talking about, this is a common deterrent. So uh, I would definitely agree with you on the importance of peer learning, the importance of education in general. Um, but We have to contextualize it in the time that we live in, because I was just saying on another podcast episode the other day, I think 2020 will make it into all the history books. So um, with an ongoing pandemic, it feels overwhelming, doesn't it? Like for family businesses today to understand like, okay, what is actually the biggest priority for me right now? So we have obviously a huge pressure for digitalization Now, of course, worker safety has become a big thing. The whole workplace has been disrupted due to the pandemic. And interestingly enough, people then see these things in a siloed way, right? And then I also need to care about sustainability. But I would love to challenge you here to help connect the dots and why I think you and I both believe that these things are deeply interconnected. But so, you know, when a family is faced with this overwhelming list of to-dos, you know, to be a viable 21st century company... How do you suggest they look at all of these pressures as interrelated, and what makes you still recommend that they do focus on sustainable development?
0: I understand, and actually, when I started making calls, because this book has largely been written. Remember Sanjay and I we're, were husband and wife, and we were quarantined together for a year. <laughs> yeah so so this book got written with Zoom calls and we'd done a lot of data collection before then, but the, the tail end of it was with Zoom calls. And we spoke with most of these businesses during the COVID pandemic. And the first calls were worrying about, you know, what they might say. It was quite thrilling to hear their excited voices. Mm-hmm. Whether it was, I remember clearly the UK company, Supreme Creations, their manufacturing is all in India. 90% of their workforce are women uh, from economically low backgrounds and they're providing livelihoods. All their design work is in UK mm-hmm. and they have 60,000 clients who buy their jute bags and other products. And when they say client, Walmart is considered one client. Mm. So clearly they have a lot of responsibility uh, and it's a young family. So when I called them, there's a mother, father, and a daughter. Those are the three people involved in the business. When I called them, I said, how are you managing? They couldn't contain their excitement that Everyone is wearing a mask. So they've been working with the British fashion designers to make these high-end fashion masks for everyday person use uh, because they would like to protect the health of British Mm. citizens. Suddenly from jute, which they were still making, gift package, which they were still making, they pivoted to actually making a mask which was accepted by the health community and it was done in the, around their kitchen table. Hmm. And the first thing um, the dad said, the first thing he said was, yes, we have a pandemic, but did you notice the, the plastic masks on the Hong Kong shores? So his worry is about what's going into our oceans Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and what's it going to do with the planet? You know, what's it going to do to our, Our existence, essentially, we have no option but to do this. And we see that in company after company because they are not stars so far.
1: Well, I think it's a beautiful, it's it's true. It's a beautiful example that ties in together, you know, all of the things that are necessary, I would say, like to be a viable company in this century. And we're only a quarter in. It feels like it's been 100 years already, to be honest, with everything that's happened in the first uh, 20 years of this century. But a great example, I think, of a a company that has been able to innovate uh, using technology, addressing an environmental challenge and a social challenge that, of course, has emerged from this pandemic. And a beautiful, of course, example, again, of how incredibly innovative family businesses just are. And I think that's also something that your book really does highlight and we have a link below this podcast to the book that we've now talked about a lot so i hope that people will go and check it out it's um it's a beautiful work and we highly recommend reading it to discover more of these beautiful families that have done extraordinary work indeed pioneering work but hopefully have not just pioneered but also set a standard for many others out there uh, that they can live up to so thank you so much dita for joining us today on the family business voice
0: Thank you so much, Ramia, and for everything you do for all of us business families.
1: Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Family Business Voice. Subscribe to our channels now on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify to be notified of our weekly episodes.